The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than yourself may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, Give your place to this man. And then you will proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, My friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends and your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they might invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Now I am confident that God answers our prayers. But we know, of course, sometimes his time is not our time. We know that sometimes his answer is not yet, and other times his answer is simply no. But he always answers. But if you don't have time to wait for his answers, there are two things you can ask for that undoubtedly will have a very prompt response. Patience and humility. Requests for more patience will undoubtedly be answered with an opportunity to practice this virtue. It will be tested in short order. But when one prays for humility, that person needs to be very careful what they're asking for because they will be humiliated in no time at all. And I could easily fill the remainder of this homily with stories of how God has answered such prayers in my life. We also need to clear out for the next Mass. There's something inappropriate about boasting of humble stories. Humility, obviously, is much more than being humiliated. Like, patience is much more than being tried. But all of our readings today give us a better idea of what real humility actually is. From the first reading from the book of Sirach, it says that a person who humbles himself finds favor with God. Humility is the antidote to original sin, that Adam and Eve were tempted to be like God. Humility is not the realization that we are junk. On the other hand, it's the reality that we are human, which curiously shares the same root word in Hebrew with humility, that we are a creature, that we're made from the earth, that we have an intimate connection with the creator and maker, that he has given us a share of his life, that we have the ability to be co-creators with him, but in the end, he is God, and we 
are not. Our life here on earth can be that fine balance between striving for personal excellence, striving to be the person that God has made us to be, and then the other extreme of reaching beyond our limits to try to be like God himself. In the second reading, the letter to the Hebrews gives us an image of how approaching the sanctuary is a foretaste of approaching this divine sanctuary in heaven, which I guarantee will not have green carpet. But it's an opportunity for us to reflect on the gift that we have been given with great humility. Elsewhere, St. Paul tells us that while we were still sinners, Jesus went to the cross for us. It's not something we can earn or deserve. The reality of the Lord's passion, death, and resurrection are represented at every single Holy Mass, that God himself is the center of our worship. There's something disastrously distorted and disordered when we put ourselves at the center of the Mass. In the final resurrection of the righteous, all those who exalt themselves as the center of their own little universe will be greatly humiliated. We can point to many different examples in our culture and our world of this prideful overreach, of playing God, of forgetfulness of our own creatureliness. But just one area I'd like to highlight today is our care for the environment. When reminded by our bishop that September 1st is now dedicated in the Universal Church as the World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation, I honestly kind of struggled to see how I'd fit that in to the homily. But then I remembered how humility Humanity and dirt all share the same root word in Hebrew. Of course, that doesn't mean that a humble person allows themselves to be treated like dirt. Uh, most types of dirt, anyway, if you go to the store and buy that really expensive dirt, that's, that's, that's another story. But our position in the cosmos can be as fragile as the environment itself. On one side, we have to admit that we're made out of the earth, that we're fragile, that we're prone to breaking cracking, death, and decay. On the other hand, we are capable of amazing feats of sacrifice, of love, innovation, exploration. That we as humans are capable of eradicating disease and manufacturing it. That we can cause hunger and cure it. We can claim the power to create life and destroy it at a whim. It's not our humility that has gotten us into trouble, but our pride which went before the first fall and every fall from grace ever since. This is the delicate balance that was presented to Adam and Eve, and it has become only more fragile with the passing of time. We see in those first pages of sacred scripture that the very first two commandments that God gives humanity is to be fruitful and multiply and to tend the garden. Therefore, we realize that we share our creatureliness with the rest of creation. But at the same time, we have a special role to tend, to till, and to make creation more fruitful. We read in those same sacred pages that in the beginning, God walked with us in that garden, that he himself is the first gardener, that our exaltation over the rest of creation comes from this divine breath that he shares with us, that we alone are made in his image and likeness. But this is not something that we can earn or merit this is his gift, not to lord over creation, but to be co-creators with him. Rather, because of this divine gift, we have a great responsibility to cooperate with this divine mandate. 
And our overall vocation is to be co-workers with the Lord in his garden. That our work here on earth is a participation with his work of creation. That our ingenuity is a participation in his creativity. Indeed, what we do on earth echoes, not just in eternity, not just in Holy Mass, but in everything we do. Now, I'm honest, another reason why I struggled to think of how I'd work the environment into a homily is because like so many other moral conversations, it's been politically hijacked. The first thing that came to my mind was my Uncle John, who is a self-identified communist. We talk about these things all the time. He often tries to put me into his political camp or talk about these things in the framework of politics. So I just imagine mentioning the environment can cause some here to salivate and others to bristle. Because of my Uncle John, I tend to be more on the bristle side of the equation. But the fact remains, as an avid fisherman, hunter, backpacker, omnivore, and Catholic, I recognize that I need to deeply care about the health and well-being of all of creation, not just for recreation or food, because I'm a part of it. We all are. The environment that makes natural brook trout thrive and worth protecting and conserving is worth that for me and for future generations. So as much as my Uncle John tries to push me into politics, I jab back saying that, you know, Uncle John, you're really a closet conservative because you want to conserve healthy habitats. Doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> but we share much more in common too, that we recognize how easy it is to live detached from the environment, detached from our own creatureliness. For example, every time I harvest an animal, I experience a real profound sadness, a sadness I don't feel at the grocery store when everything's wrapped in cellophane. Every time I work in my mom's vegetable garden, I have a real grimace because of that curse of Adam that makes my back hurt and the weeds grow. Every time I enjoy a meal that comes from the backyard that was created by my own hands, hard work, and took the life of an animal, I'm filled with a deep sense of gratitude of all the sacrifice and hard work that went into that meal simply so that I can live and survive that healthy environment which is needed to produce such a harvest. So it's hard for me to foster that same appreciation when eating out rather than simply being grateful I don't have to do the dishes. The major theme is that what we do here on earth echoes, not just in eternity, but all around us. And that is what the care of creation is really all about. We recognize our God-given place on this planet, and it should fill us with a healthy humility. That all the gifts we have been given are given to us to be taken care of and passed down to future generations. And we do this because God is not just the center of our worship at Mass, not just the center of all creation, but the very center of our work and our lives. That we demonstrate our appreciation of the gift giver by how we treat the gifts he has given us. And what's more, he wants us to cooperate with him, to co-create with him, to be a co-worker in his garden. It's like the old take your, work, take your kids to work program that God wants us, his children, to go to work with him, to participate in his work. We should strive to do this with great humility. So this morning at this Holy Mass, may we be filled with a greater gratitude and authentic humility for all the good things that the Lord provides to us, especially for providing 
his very self, body, blood, soul, and divinity at this Mass. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.